Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Hey, before I get into uh, into my teaching, I want to uh, call your attention to some of my wife's messages that she's uh, preached uh, here lately on Wednesday evenings. Uh, some really, really good messages. Now, she always does a fantastic job, but the last couple of messages, really, really good. So uh, I, I'd like to encourage you to go listen to those. Uh, she does them on Wednesday evenings. But of course, you could go to our archives and find find any, any of the messages that either she or I have preached. But she's done some really good ones recently. So I wanted to uh, call your attention to that. So uh I'm conducting a series on, uh, well, it's titled Jesus, the Great Storyteller. And we're looking at the parables of Jesus. And of course, a parable is a story, and it's a natural story that illustrates a spiritual uh, meaning or truth. And so we just, over the last many weeks, we've been looking at some of Jesus's parables. Uh, this this series is going to run for many, many, many more weeks, probably months, and uh uh, we're just going to stay on them till we finish them. We'll get most all of them. I hope to get all of them in. But, uh, you know, it's important to study his parables because uh, we could learn much about how the kingdom of God operates. Uh, many of his parables, he started out by saying that, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. And uh, so we could learn much about how the kingdom of God, or you could say the kingdom of heaven operates. And also one of the, uh, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that, uh, that he would open his mouth in parables and reveal things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So some real good reasons to study the parables of the Lord Jesus and just the fact that he taught them, we, we ought to, you know, we ought to hang on every word that Jesus ever said, okay? So uh, the parables of the Lord, if you've missed any of the previous uh, sessions, uh, I don't know, this is about our sixth week, seventh week on, on the parables, whatever. But you can go back in the archives and get any of, anything you've missed for, for free. It's there available for you. But uh, today I want to, uh, uh, we're going to look at two parables today. Uh, first, the unjust steward. And then secondly, I want to look at the parable of the leaven, the leaven. Okay, leaven. I think I said that right, leaven. So the parable of the unjust steward first, and then we'll do the parable of the leaven, okay? So let's do the unjust steward first. Go to Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke, the 16th chapter, and I'll read uh, read some verses here. We'll start with verse 1. Jesus, He, Jesus, also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man... And by the way, the last couple of parables, the last two weeks, I guess, I spent on the parable of the rich fool. So again, if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back into the archives and listen to it. A lot of uh, rich things came out during uh, the parable of the rich fool. So uh, uh, I would encourage you to go back to listen and listen to that if you missed it. But uh, uh, anyway, there was a certain rich man who had a steward... And an accusation was brought to him that, that his steward was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you could no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. Uh, so he said, I, I resolve what I'm going to do. Uh, that when I am put out of the stewardship... 
they may receive me into their houses. So he called everyone, because he's, he's, he's getting ready to lose his job, okay? Because he's been unfaithful. And so uh, he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, do it fast and write out 50. Well, I'm sure that made that guy that owed a hundred real glad. Now he's only got to pay 50. And then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write out 80. So, I mean, these guys are getting off, off cheap. I mean, they owe the master quite a, a bit more than they're actually paying him because this steward is cutting a deal because he knows he's going to lose his job. And what he does, he, he wants to be able to, he wants these other, these guys he's given the good deal to, to, you know, to take him in, you know, so he doesn't have to beg or, 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 you know, dig ditches or whatever and so forth. And, um, uh, uh, so, but eventually the, ma- so the master then, uh, here's what he has to say in verse eight. This is Luke 16, eight about what his steward, his unjust steward has done because, you know, you know, the unjust steward cuts some deals and, uh, it, it's really cheating the master because these, these people owed the master more than uh, what they're actually having to pay because this unjust steward is is cut these deals to you know that's it's going to hurt the master but you know he's he's trying to get in good get some you know get in good with these these guys he's making the you know letting them pay less to the master so notice in verse eight the master commended the unjust steward now you just stop and think about that the master commended the unjust steward. Now, why? Because he had dealt shrewdly. Because he had dealt shrewdly. And then he goes on to say, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Now, let me say some things about this. Uh, let me say this first of all. What he just said here is that he said sinners, the sons of this world, sinners, people that, we'll say it this way, people who are not born again Christians are more shrewd, we could say in their business dealings, than the sons of light or than, or, or than the people, children of God, people who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus. The Bible said we're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So he's saying really the, the sons of, the, of this world, the sons of the devil, people that are not born again, sinners, if you will, are, shrewd, are more shrewd in their dealings. And the implication here is business dealings than the children of God. And you know, <laughs> In pastoring for almost three decades, I saw that to be very true. I saw that to be very true. I I would see so many cases where Christians were just not as shrewd in their business dealings as, uh, as they should have been. And I've seen a lot of people just out in the world that don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But I mean, they're real shrewd and they're real sharp. In, in their business dealings, but you come over in the church and a lot of times I have seen it anyway, where so many Christians just, 
just are not real wise in their business dealings. And sometimes I think they misinterpreted the scripture, you know, that says that we're, we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And sometimes I think Christians misread that and, 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 and read it. We're supposed to be transformed by the removing of our, uh, removing of our minds, but, but we're not transformed by the removing of our minds. Uh, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, Christians ought to be smart. Christians ought to be sharp in every area of life. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. If we're born again, the Spirit of Christ is within us. And we have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. And we ought to be sharper in, in all areas than, than people who don't know the Lord Jesus. You know, but I found that not to be true. I, again, I've seen so many Christians not real sharp and real wise in their business dealings. Now, I'm not saying every Christian I've met, there's a lot of them who, who were sharp in their business dealings, but I've seen a lot of them that just many, multitudes of them that just aren't. And this is so true where Jesus said, he said, the, the put it in my own words, people that don't know God are sharper than people who do. And it's, 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 it's not good. You know, uh, the Lord said in another place, he said, well, it was in Matthew ten sixteen. He said that uh, that we as his disciples should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We're supposed to be sharp. We're supposed to be shrewd. You know, if you look at, at the book of Proverbs, if you look at the, the fourth verse of chapter one of Proverbs, it brings out there, the implication is clear that the Proverbs were written to impart shrewdness. We as Christians ought to be sharp as tacks, if you will. We ought to be, be particularly in our business dealings and in every area of life, we ought to be sharp and we ought to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves but wise as serpents. We should be shrewd. And that impresses the Lord. And, and back here to this parable, he commended the unjust steward. Now he did not commend his unjustness, okay, because he was operating dishonestly. But the Lord, or the, the master here, commended the, the fact that he was shrewd. I guess this master couldn't find much else good to say about this steward. So he, you know, he looked for something good to say. I guess we ought to be the same way. You know, you know, a lot of times I see folks who are, I say a lot of times, but a good number of times I've seen some folks who just nothing, not, not much good you can say about them. So you just, you know, if you can't say something good, don't say something at all. But I try to find something good to say about somebody. I, I guess that's the only thing good that he could say about this uh, unjust steward is that he was shrewd. And he was. He was He was shrewd. He was dishonest, but he was very shrewd. And the Lord here, the, the master here was commending his shrewdness. And that's really the central uh, theme or the central truth, if you will, of this parable is that uh, we're supposed to be shrewd and particularly in, in the way we handle the Lord's uh, uh, goods. Because remember, it all belongs to the Lord and he's made us stewards over it, over what's his. And remember the parable of the talents 
parable of the minas that I covered some weeks back, you know, uh, the Lord commended those who doubled his money. And, and you can't double money if you're not wise, you know. And, and that one guy, remember, he just went and dug and put it in a hole in the ground, and the Lord wasn't happy about that at all. So the Lord wants us to be, be shrewd in the way we handle what he's entrusted to us. And that's what we need to walk away from this parable with, is that the Lord wants us to be shrewd. Uh, and he commended him for his shrewdness, not for his his shady business dealings, but for his shrewdness, okay? Now, with that being said, verse 9, uh, uh, because verse 9 concludes the parable, and then, then Jesus says here, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, and remember mammon is money or wealth, material goods. He said, make friends for yourselves, speaking now to his disciples, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail or actually when the money fails, because eventually it will, they may receive you into an everlasting home. And so people have asked me over the years what the Lord uh, meant by that. And, uh, <laughs> and he meant what he said. I mean, just take it at face value. Uh, to me, this has always uh, been a little bit difficult to explain because you know, for, for not one second would I ever say that, that we should, uh, uh show any, any, uh, 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 he's not saying in any way, shape, form, or fashion or that, that there's anything okay with being, uh, uh, dishonest. That's not what he's saying here, that, that it's okay to be dishonest like this, this unjust steward was, because that would violate everything that the Lord stands for. Okay, so it's not okay to be unjust. And he wasn't commending this guy for cutting those deals with the people that owed his master money, uh, you know, and, and letting them pay less. That's not what was being commended. It was his shrewdness that was being commended, as I've already said. But he said here again, make friends for yourselves, but unrighteous mammon. That when you fail, or when actually the translation really means when the money fails, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Let me read this in the New Living Translation. It says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they'll welcome you into an eternal home. That, I mean, that, that's, that, that is what he, he was saying there. Let me read it out of the Amplified Classic. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions, so that when it fails, and eventually it will, uh, they, those who have, those you have favored may receive and welcome you into an everlasting habitation or dwelling. And then the Phillips translation says it this way. Now, my advice to you is use money tainted as it is to make yourselves friends so that when it comes to an end, they may welcome you into eternal habitation. So, you know, I mean, I read this to you out of now four different uh, uh, translations, New King James, New Living Translation, Amplified Classic, and the Phillips Translation. And uh, it, I mean, it means what it says. He said what he meant. Um, but again, he's not commending anything. We're not supposed to make friends with unjustness. Let's put it that way. 
Okay, but he he said what he said, and I'll leave it at that. Other than I want to say this, I I to be honest with you, I've really I'm still chewing on all of what he meant by what he said there. Oh, after some forty years of studying this, and I'm not ashamed to tell you, I don't know everything. Do you? Be be cautious of a teacher that that thinks he had he knows all the answers. I don't. I've been chewing on what he meant by that for a long time, and. I could have just read over it, went on, but I think it, I, I wanted to spend a little time with it because I don't know for sure all of what he meant by that. <laughs> but I, you know, in studying this, I did find in the Living Bible, the Living Bible, let me read that uh, version to you. You've got to be cautious now with like the Living Bible uh, and or the Message Bible because they're, I, I think they're called transliterations, which are paraphrased phrasing and basically see like a the king james new king james that's like a word for word young's literal translation word for word translation from the greek into the english and those are the best to stick with as you're studying but but uh, sometimes these other uh, versions they are done by scholars and what but the reason you have to be careful is that they're going to tell you what they think the verse meant or what the passage meant so you have to be real careful about that as you read the, the Living Bible, the Message Bible, and even the New Living Translation to some extent. It's it's actually, excuse me, a pretty good uh, uh, translation of the, of the Bible, pr- pretty good. You still have to be cautious. That's why if you're studying the Bible, I tell anybody, start reading, reading it in the King James, then the New King James, then the NIV, the New Living Translation, then I'd, then I'd go to the Amplified Classic, and then, then after that, you got the New American Standard, the English Standard Version. Just read the, read the verse out of many different versions. New Living Translation is good. And by the time you do that, you could pretty well get what the, what the, what the scripture is saying. And then a lot of times, then sometimes, I say a lot of times, if you just read, read the uh, a Bible passage out of those versions, you could pretty well get the gist of what's being said. You know, and then there's nothing wrong with going to the concordance or going to the, the different Greek, Greek, studying the Greek words. It's all good to do that. But anyway, this passage in the living Bible, you got to be cautious of it, but it, it just, it just seems good to me. So let me, let me read it. And, 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 and this, this would seem like something I think the Lord was, was meaning by all of this. So let's just read it to you here. This is Luke 16, verse 9. Concerning this unjust steward, living Bible, he says, Lord says, uh, this is verse nine about these eternal or everlasting homes and so forth, what we just read. But here's what the living Bible says. Here's, it says, the Lord says, but shall I tell you to act that way? Uh, Talking to his disciples and the Lord saying to his disciples, he's talking to his disciples and he says concerning this parable of this unjust steward, but shall I tell you to act the way the unjust steward did? Uh, to buy friendship through, uh, to buy friendship through cheating? Question mark. Will this ensure your entry into an everlasting home in heaven? No. <laughs> so what did he just tell him? He said, in the Living Bible, he said, do not act like that unjust steward as it pertains to being dishonest. I can say amen to that. But again, what's the central truth of the parable? The central truth of the parable is to be shrewd, be wise in your business 
dealings, okay? And, uh, and then here's another little piece of advice I'll throw in for you. You know, it's hard for any one person to be shrewd in every area. You know, let's take taxes, for example, like tax seasons coming up. You know, if, you, if you're not real shrewd and sharp with taxes, you know, do like what, what, what I've done over the past many decades. Go find somebody, a company who is good, who is shrewd, who is sharp, who knows all the tax laws, who studies that, who goes to school every year and stays up, you know, takes classes every year and stays up on all the tax laws. They change, you know, they change frequently. But if you can't be shrewd yourself, hire somebody, you know, and, and, and pay it, pay them. If you might have to, you get what you pay for, but get somebody or a company that's sharp, that's shrewd, like in taxes. You know, I, there's an old saying I heard years ago, there's nothing quite as costly as bad advice. You think about that. But if you can't be shrewd yourself, get somebody who is and pay them what they're worth because I tell you what, it, it rich dividends down the road. So in summary, the Lord's not telling you or me to be unjust, but he is telling us to be sharp, to be shrewd, and that's what we should walk away from this parable with. Okay, so uh, I have it in my notes here. The central truth of the unjust steward is this. Be shrewd, yet honest. Be shrewd, yet honest. See, when you use that word shrewd, a lot of times people think, well, somebody that's shrewd, that means they're a little shady. No, no. You can be shrewd, you can be wise as a serpent, but yet honest and harmless as a dove. So anyway, there's the parable of the unjust steward, and I hope that was helpful to you. Be shrewd in your dealings. And uh, in every area of life, particularly in your, well, in all areas, but business, business, uh, you know, we live, as I've been saying, like with that rich, that rich, uh, uh, the parable of the rich, the rich man, you know, that we talked about over the, over the last couple of weeks, you know, uh, uh, you know, just be shrewd, you know, in, in, in your business dealings, the Lord wants us to be shrewd, be, be sharp. And, uh, there's great blessing to, 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 you know, we live, what was, what I was going to say is, uh, we live in a natural world, as I was saying in that parable of the rich man. We live in a natural world. We have to deal with money and whatnot. So uh, the Lord expects us to handle it wisely and be, be sharp with it. Okay, so enough on that. Now let's go to the parable of the leaven. The parable of the leaven. Go to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter. And let's go to the 33rd verse. And uh, the parable of the leaven now, this is also found in Luke's gospel account, in Luke's gospel account, and in both Matthew's account and in Luke's account. I'm just, I'm just going to read it Matthew's account here. But in both accounts, it occurs right after the parable of the mustard seed. And, and I think that's significant, as you'll see in a moment. But let me read the parable. Matthew 13, 33, another parable Jesus spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like, see there it is again, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now that's, now that's a sharp parable. That's a sharp parable. But he says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, 
which a woman took and hid. Notice she took it and hid it, hid it in three, three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Three measures. You'll want to remember that three, underline that three measures, because I believe it's significant, as we'll see. And, uh, well, first of all, what is leaven? What is leaven? Well, it's yeast. It's yeast. You say, well, what is yeast? Well, go ask my wife. She'll tell you. It has, it has, she, she's a cook, a baker. She likes doing that, you know, and it, it, you, you, it, it has to do with the fermentation process and, and all of that. And, and you, put, you put a little yeast into dough. And here, here's the significance of this. A little of it is put, is put into dough and it spreads throughout the entirety of the dough and it eventually, eventually affects the entirety of it. And, and you just have to put a little bit in, just a little bit. I asked my wife where I taught this just to be sure I've got this right. And she said, just a little bit will, will, will do the, do the trick. You put that in bread, it'll spread through the bread and it'll affect the whole thing. Absolutely. And much could be said about leaven, but, but that's simply put, that's what it is. And uh, a little bit, just a little bit goes in and it affects the entire, it spreads through the entirety. Okay. Uh, so with that in mind, this parable here, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Okay. So with that being said, now there's two, there's two views of this. As I've studied this parable over the many years, there's two views of, of this parable. The first view is that, 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 that this, this leaven is the church spreading into the world. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we see that Christianity began, you know, it, it actually came out, out of the, 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 the Jews, you know, and thank God for God's chosen people, the Jews. And then from the Jews came the virgin born son of God, Jesus. And then here we have out from him, Christianity, and it went from him to Peter, James, John, the 12 apostles, and then the people they affected and believed through their word. And now look some 2,000 years later, you know, Christianity, how it has spread throughout the world. And so one view of this, of this parable of the leaven has to do with, uh, you know, Christianity starting very small, the church starting very small and growing and going throughout the world. And, 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 and this, this parable is set right after the parable of the mustard seed. And so one might say, well, you know, and the mustard seed did clearly indicate, and it clearly was a parable of the kingdom of God, or we could say the kingdom of heaven, starting very small and spreading and growing, I should say, growing and becoming very large. Remember, the little mustard seed eventually became a great, a great, you know, uh, 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 it grew greatly and the birds came and nested in it and so on and so forth. So that mustard seed parable would have to do with the king, kingdom of God starting small and spreading. But what about this parable 
of the leaven. So the first view of the parable of the leaven is it would be the church spreading into the world, but I think that's what the mustard seed parable has to do with, and that's why I didn't cover this parable at the time of the mustard seed. I wanted to set it apart from it because I believe that while the mustard seed parable has to do with the church spreading into the world, the parable of the leaven, I think, has to do with the world spreading into the church. That's what I think. Now, I could be wrong, but but that's that's what, what I think. That's what it appears to be, and I think it'll bear itself out as we go. So the parable of the mustard seed would have to do with the church spreading into the world, and the parable of the leaven would have to do with the world spreading into the church. And we can see both are true looking at the last 2,000 years of church history. And also, another reason I believe that the parable of the leaven has to do with the world spreading into the church is that, notice it said here that the woman hid this leaven, and uh, the gospel is not hidden, but sin is. So that's one reason I believe that this has to do with, that this leaven here is not in this parable is not a good thing, but it's 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 a bad thing. It's it's likened unto sin and worldliness spreading into the church. It's the world spreading into the church because the gospel is not hidden, but sin is. I like what Second Peter two, or I like what I'll read what Second Peter two one says. He says, but there'll he says uh, Peter says here Second Peter two one there'll be false prophets among the people. He said there were there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. See, so so the the, the secretiveness of this of sin creeping in secretly. You could see that in some other passage in, passages in the Bible where false brethren crept in unawares. And, and, and so sin is secretive, whereas the gospel is not hidden, but sin is. And then also, as you study scripture, leaven is typically symbolic of sin in scripture. It's typically symbolic of sin in scripture. Leaven is, uh, for example, Paul, the apostle, uh, uh, as it pertains to sexual sin in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, he, he says here uh, concerning sexual sin, he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And that was in the context of that man who'd gotten into immorality and sexual sin there in the church and Paul said to put him out. And then also as it pertains to false doctrine in Galatians 5, 9, it, he, he said a little leaven also leavens the whole lump. Uh, he said that again there, and it has to do with false doctrine, sin. So, so the reason that I believe this parable of the leaven has to do with the world uh, spreading into the church and not the other way around. The other way around would be, as I said, the mustard seed. That has to do, the parable of the mustard seed, the church spreading into the world. But the parable of the leaven would have to do with the world spreading into the church for the reasons I just mentioned. Now, says it's uh he said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman now you say well what's the significance of a, the woman there I, I nothing as far as i can tell you don't want to make remember i told you on day one of the parables here back many weeks ago you don't want to try to make every word or every phrase in a parable mean something you could get into trouble doing that 
So I don't believe there's any significance to, to a woman hitting, hitting, hiding. There's good men cooks as there are woman cooks, you know, as well as I do. So the woman's not significant. The hiding, I think, is, but then the three measures. So leaven here, she said, the, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Three measures, now three measures. What does that mean? Well, if you look into the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus, uh, there were three kinds of leaven that he told us to be aware of, or that he told his disciples to be aware of, which would apply to you and me as believers in him as well. And there were three types of leaven that he warned about. And the first one, Matthew 16, verse 6, Jesus said to them, well, we're going to actually get the first two here in this verse. He says, Matthew 16, 6, Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Excuse me. So there's two types of leaven right there that he warned about. The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. And if you drop down to verse 12, he's talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees and the doctrine of the Sadducees and what they taught. Okay. So there's two, the Pharisees, leaven of the Pharisees, leaven of the Sadducees. And then in uh, Mark 8 verse 15, he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. We already noted that one. And the leaven of Herod. So Jesus, see, he said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures till it was all leavened. Now this is from my study of it. This is what, this, this is my takeaway of it. You do your own studying and meditating before God and you know, and let him show you what he wants to show you. And I'm just teaching you what I've cut, what I've observed over the last many, many, many years of study. Three, I, I believe the three uh, uh, measures of leaven that he was talking about here concerning uh, the world spreading into the church is the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, and the leaven of Herod. All right, now let's look at each one of these individually. First of all, uh, the leaven of the Pharisees. And none of the three of these were good. <laughs> so, but the leaven of the Pharisees. And now notice Luke 12, verse 1. He actually uh, specifies what the leaven of the Pharisees is. He says, Luke 12, 1, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, being a hypocrite. Uh, preaching one thing while living another. Uh, think about that. Hypocrisy. If you get into the study of the word, it, it actually means to speak from behind a mask. You know, you, you put a mask on and you make everybody think you're one way, but secretly behind that mask, you're a very different person. And he said that that is, it, it is like leaven. And, and he said to beware of it. Let me read from my notes. I think I have some good things in here in my notes here that would be helpful to you about the the, the leaven of the Pharisees. Uh, let, let me read this. The Pharisees were guilty of hypocrisy. That is saying one thing and doing another. Uh, you see, hypocrisy is not something that comes suddenly. 
It's a slow and subtle process. The Pharisees were not people who had the intention of being hypocrites. If you really get in and study it, they were exemplary in their sincere pursuit of doctrinal truth. Doctrinal truth. But after a period of time, slowly by slowly, they became self-righteous. They knew perfectly the letter of the law, but they missed the spirit of the law. They shifted away from the focus of the scriptures. And the Apostle Paul talked about, you know, shifting from the hope of the gospel. So they shifted very slowly over time. And, uh, and, and they, they actually, in the process of time, they became hypocrites. Uh, very, very sad. Let me continue to read. Some believers start out as genuine Christians, but slowly by slowly they cool down. They shift away so that eventually only the outward appearance of spirituality is left. The inside is gone. They honor God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. They preach or say one thing, but do not practice it. And boy, isn't that that so true? We have to be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, and so that we don't let it get a hold of us. And remember, uh, this, this leaven, like yeast, just a little bit, a little leaven, just a little yeast can affect and corrupt the entirety of your, of your character. It, it, it's so very true. We all have to be careful about the leaven of the Pharisees and being hypocrites. You know, if you go out and ask many people why they don't go, the, go to church, one of the things that, that typically comes up if you ask somebody that doesn't go to church, if you ask them, why, why don't you go to church? A lot of them will say, well, I don't go down to that church because they're all hypocrites down there. <laughs> and, you know, I, probably a lot of truth in that. And thank God that's where a hypocrite ought to be in church, listening to the word of God. Hopefully it'll change them. But you know as well as I do, hypocrisy is such a damnable thing because I mean, how many sinners out there are looking for Christians who are the real deal? You know what I mean? The real deal, the real thing or for a real Christian. And again and again, somebody will proclaim to be a Christian and a sinner's watching that person proclaiming to be a Christian. And then, and then you know, that sitter will be in at, 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 at Walmart and uh, see that person that's proclaiming to be a Christian act very unbecomingly. Absolutely. I, I remember I went into Lowe's one day, the hardware store, and I was buying something or other. This is many, many, many years ago. And, and, and I, I heard some tumult, you know, commotion around the corner. And, uh, and, and I heard some unsavory words, just some unsavory words that I, I wasn't paying that much attention. But all of a sudden that voice, that voice, uh, that, that voice sound, that voice, that voice sounds familiar. And so I kind, of, I kind of stuck around and I looked around the corner. It was one of my church members and he was going off on the clerk and just a lot of unsavory, just, well, he cussed him out is what he was doing. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. And here's a guy in church on Sunday, you know, worshiping the Lord and so on and so forth. You know, but now he's in there acting like that. And then you have a sitter looks in and sees that, you know, he's there on church on Sundays and at Lowe's cussing somebody out. That's hypocrisy, isn't it? Now you want to, you, you want to know what I did, don't you? Well, I, 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 
Well, I just, I went my way. I, I don't know. I, I wanted to go up there and have a talk with him. I probably, I was younger then. I probably would today. I don't know, pull him aside. So what are you doing? <laughs> you know, don't talk to somebody. Don't act like that. But I don't know. I went my way. But anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's a lesson. I'll tell a story of myself. Years ago, I had, uh, I just bought a brand new suit. This is a suit that I wanted for a long time. Couldn't afford it. Finally got to a point where I could afford it. Bought this Glenn Plaid light gray suit. I preached my first time I preached in it. I'm after the service, I'm greeting at the door. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, after I greeted everybody, there's this little kid, probably about three years old, and he had his arms up and he wanted me to pick him up. So picked him up and he laid his head on my, on my shoulder here, but got my nice suit on, you know, it ran him. And, uh, uh, and so uh, I greeted some other people. And then a few moments later, his mother comes walking down the hall and she goes, <gasps> and I jumped. I thought, oh my gosh, I hope I wasn't doing something wrong to this kid. I'm just holding the kid. And she said, pastor, I'm so sorry about your suit. I thought, oh, no, you're talking about my suit. And long story short, this little kid had had a Tootsie roll in his mouth. I didn't realize it. And he had his head laid on my shoulder and he'd been slobbering. And that Tootsie roll was all, I mean, he'd slobbered it all over my brand new, my brand new suit coat. And well, you said, well, you want to know what I did? Well, <laughs> I wanted to whip the kid. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. Uh, so I put, gave the kid back to his mom. It, you know, it is what it is. So I took it to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, dry cleaner. And I went to get it, pick it up, and they, they didn't they didn't get it out. And I didn't think they did all that they could have done. So I second go around and went back, and they this is my new Glenn, brand new suit, Glenn Plaid, beautiful light gray. So they just they didn't get it out the, the Tootsie Roll. So I thought, well, I wasn't too pleased. I didn't think they were doing all they could. So I said, let's give it one more go. So I went. <laughs> I'm usually pretty easy to deal with, but I wanted I wanted that out of there because I didn't have the money to go buy another one at the time. And so anyway, so I went back in the third time and they still, you can still see the state that I was starting to get, you know, almost, you know, the Bible talks about the old man and the new man. Well, the old man was wanting to come, come out there, you know, and I wanted to, I, and I, and I, I wasn't going to cuss or nothing, but I was going to just kind of lay down the law and tell him, you know, I want that, get that state. I was, you know, get that state out but i didn't do it i didn't do it and 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 just as i didn't do it and they gave me the suit back there's no more they could do for it and i turned and there was a <laughs> there was one of the biggest ministers in st louis who who knew me he didn't know me well knew who i was i knew knew know who he is very well and and he was standing right there and he, he he coming in. I guess I don't know if a kid slobbered on his suit too. I don't know, but but anyway, he he was coming in to get his dry cleaned. But he was standing right there, and I almost I almost got over the flesh and went off on that clerk with that minister standing right there. <laughs> and I, I thought, whew, I'm glad I didn't act unbecomingly in front of him. And then I, I got to thinking, you know, he's watching. He's the only time he's watching me is in at the dry cleaner. The Lord's watching me all the time. So we all ought to always be on our best behavior, behavior and not be hypocritical. Can you say amen? Well, I hope you enjoyed that story. But anyway, the leaven of the Pharisees is, is hypocrisy. And we need to be very careful that we're not hypocrites. Go to Matthew 23. I, I, I feel I need to do a little more work here with the, with the Pharisees. Uh, just, we don't want to be like these. Jesus said, beware of, uh, of the way they act. Um, 
look here at Matthew 23, verse 1. Now, these, these are the kind of people that Jesus would heal somebody on the Sabbath, and these Pharisees would get mad and upset because he did it on what they thought was the wrong day. They didn't rejoice that the person got healed. They were, they were upset that Jesus did it on the wrong day. Uh, that's the kind of people we're dealing with here. And uh, they're, not, they're not, not, not good people. And they were the religious leaders of the day, them along with the Pharisees, uh, uh, the Sadducees, you know. The Pharisees, these are the Pharisees. But notice here, uh, Jesus spoke to the multitudes uh, and to his disciples. And he said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That was the seat of authority where they be you know, where the judging was done from and whatnot. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, let me read this. Therefore, whatever they tell you, whatever. See if I can read here. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. That's just a long way to say they're hypocrites. All right. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, uh, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their work, but all their works, they do to be seen by men. See, we don't want to be like that. We need to be cautious that we don't. You know, the Bible says bad communication corrupts good character. We got to be careful who we hang around with. I've watched a lot. I taught a whole uh, message on lessons from the Pharisees. I think it was a series that I did many years ago. And we can learn a lot of lessons from them to not be like they are. But I mean, you talk about some scoundrels, some just some, some, some bad, bad things. Uh, but they, they, they like to be seen of men. They make their phylacteries. I'm glad I don't ask me to spell that. Phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Phylacteries, what those were, they were small square leather boxes that would contain portions of scriptures. And the uh, the Orthodox conservative Jews during prayer services, they would wear them in these boxes, usually one on their left arm and one strapped around their forehead. And... Uh, and they'd have the they'd have the the scriptures strapped to their forehead or their arm, and they'd go pray. But then they but then they'd go act out and act act like hip, they were hypocrites, act terrible, treat people terribly. And uh, uh, anyway, Jesus taught that God is not concerned with external. Let me read from my notes with external trappings of religion as he is with the true nature of the heart. He pointed out that it was possible to wear large phylacteries containing God's word yet disobey God's word at the same time. And likewise, in the church today, it's possible to wear a cross or pay a tithe or raise hand during a worship service, quote a scripture, all without truly acknowledging the Lord Jesus in our hearts. You know, I think about that church member that I had that was in there at Lowe's cussing the guy out, the, the worker out. He might have been doing that with a, you know, wearing a cross around his neck. You know, I mean, just because we're wearing a cross around our neck or we have a, 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 a Jesus bumper sticker on our car or, or whatever it is, it's, it's what is it? It's not that so much at all as is what's in our heart and what's coming out of our heart. The psalmist said, I've hidden your word, God, in my heart that I might not sin against you. But these Pharisees were all about outward appearance, but inwardly they, they were very different people. They were hypocrites. Let me read on here in Matthew 23. They loved the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces. And they love to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi, or teacher, teacher. See, they love the praise of men. Verse 13, but woe to you, 
scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves. They're not, these people aren't going to heaven. Nor do that because they didn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, nor do you allow those who are entering go go in. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! You devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. See, they like to make long prayers. You know you don't have to pray a long prayer for the Lord to hear you. You you should know that. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. See, what is the leaven of the Pharisees? It's hypocrisy. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte or one convert to, to Judaism in this case. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. He said, woe to you blind guides. He made the statement in another place that they were a blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both fall in a ditch. So we don't want to be, why am I reading this? We don't want to be like these people. We, we, you know, and, and the process of becoming a Pharisee, I've watched this over the years. I've watched Christians. They start out just, just, just fine. And over time, they develop into Pharisees. Absolutely. I, I had a good number of people in my church over the many years that were like Pharisees. Not everybody. I had a whole lot of great, good, wonderful people. But I tell you what, I've dealt with my share of Pharisee-like Christians. Absolutely the truth. And uh, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithe of men and niece and Cuban. You've neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You know, they were stickle pickers, nitpickers. Did you know we ought to be tithers? But you know there's weightier matters than tithing. He just said it like justice and mercy, faith. We ought to give attention to those things and still be tithers too. Don't leave tithing undone. Then he said, don't leave tithing undone. But these are blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You ought to think about that. They'll strain out a gnat to keep a little gnat out of their, their food or whatever, but they'll swallow the whole camel. That's, that's what I've watched this in, in, in people. Stickle pickers, nitpickers, you know. And they'll, 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 they'll nitpickle, pickle, stickle over some, see, they'll, they go after the letter of the law, but they miss the spirit of it. <laughs> I don't like dealing with these kind of people. And they'll, then they'll turn around and swallow a camel. <laughs> Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you. These people are not on Jesus' good list, I'll tell you that. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Wow. Even so, uh, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Don't be like that. And, and I tell you what, if you see any, ever start to see any tendencies, the reason I read this was if you ever start to see any of these tendencies in yourself, repent real quick. And deal with it. Get it out. Because like leaven, it'll, it starts out small. That yeast, real small amount, can spread through and affect the whole thing. So beware of this. Beware of this. And beware of being like this yourself or about hanging around people that are like this because they can affect you. Remember I said it a moment ago, bad company can corrupt good character. So anyway, the leaven of the Pharisees. Now the second type of leaven was the leaven of the Sadducees. 
Now, uh, they were much like the Pharisees in many ways, yet very different and much I could say. But for the sake of this message, if you look at Acts 23, verse 8, Acts 23, verse 8, they were very different from the Pharisees, particularly in what they believed and in other things I could say. But for this message, Acts 23, 8, for Sadducees say there is no resurrection and no angel or spirit. See, they, they didn't believe, they didn't believe in, in, in life after death. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in healing. They didn't believe in the supernatural. They only believed in certain parts of the scripture, but not all of it. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> sad, you see. That's not original with me. I heard that many years ago. And uh, if that's the first time you ever heard that, you'd probably think that's funny. But if you've heard it several times, it's probably not funny. But that's why they were sad, you see. They're sad, you see. But anyway, that's not original with me. And I'm, I'm glad because <laughs> it's a little bit corny. But it is kind of funny if you think about it. But but seriously, they did not they did not believe in the supernatural among other things, what I want to center it on here for this message, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the supernatural power of Almighty God. The miracle power, the healing power of Almighty God, they didn't believe in it. And they had a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof. And the Bible says from such people turn away. But you have to beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. And you can see this. If you look back in church history, you can see that the early church was full of the power of God. Read the book of Acts sometime and you'll see, I mean, the ministry of Jesus, full of the power of God. But then as he died and was raised from the dead and, and told his disciples, you know, the apostles to go out in all the world and preach the gospel and so forth. And, uh, and, and they went out with that power and you read the book of Acts, you see the, the, the supernatural miracle power of Almighty God. And then you can trace it and it, it continues on for a while after the uh, apostles. But, but it has by and large, now think about this, the supernatural power of God has, and the, the believing in the supernatural power of God, the healings and the miracles and all that, it has pretty much died out over all these last 2,000 years. See how the doctrine of the Sadducees has spread in, 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 into the church. Now, if you study church history, you'll see that. Now, there's always been, it happened you know, over time. There's always been a remnant, certainly, with it, as you study church history, and I am not a church history expert, but I have studied it, I've studied enough to know that there's always been a remnant group of God's people that has held to the healing power of God and, the, and believes in the supernatural and, and, and the moving of the Holy Spirit and all of that, certainly. But by and large, so many denominations, so many, uh, 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 just the church as, as, as a whole, from my study of it, there's not the power in the church. Now, there's always been a remnant that has held to the power of God. But by and large, the church, you know, what, what will most scholars, biblical scholars tell you? They'll tell you, well, all that, all the healing power and all that, it, it just died out with the last apostle. And, you know, and, and when John, you know, he was the last one, when he died, you know, the last of the 12, when he, when he died, then it was all over. Now, you can't find that in the scripture. You can't find that in the scripture. You can't find where the miracle power of God 
died out with the last apostle. But, but people will tell you that the baptism in the Holy Spirit has been done away with it. The speaking in tongues and that has ceased, which it hasn't. And, and, and they, they, you can see how the leaven of the Sadducees that do not believe in the power of God has, has all but evaporated and gone from the church over the last 2,000 years. Now, always a remnant that has held on to it, certainly, and even to the present hour. But I tell you what, 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 what I've noticed in the la- just in, in my ministry over the last, you know, of three decades by the, by the, as we, as we were transitioning from the church location to this, to the, to the virtual church setting, I saw, even I saw, that there was a lack of interest in the, in the power of, of, of God. Now, not among everybody, but by and large, what I saw is, you know, if I was going to have a donut party, you get people to show up for that. But if I was going to have a healing rally, people weren't really interested in it. Now, back, back years ago, we'd put healing rally on our sign. And our church would be packed full of people. And, uh, thank God. But, you know, I, I, I one thing I'll say, I have not, succumb to the doctrine of the Sadducees. I still believe in the, in the supernatural power of Almighty God. I have not succumbed to the leaven or the, uh, or the doctrine of the, of the Sadducees. I still believe in the healing power, the miraculous power of God. And I could stand here for hours and I could tell you one story after another over the last sub 30 years, how God has healed one person right after the next in our church services. Now, did everybody get healed? No, not everybody got healed, but I'm in good company. Jesus didn't get everybody healed. Now I'm not, he's the Lord and I'm not, but I tell you, he didn't get everybody healed, but he, there's times he got everybody healed, but I'm just telling you in my ministry, I saw multitudes of people uh, healed by the power of God. And I could tell you many such stories. I'll, I'll just tell you one that comes to mind. I remember, you'll like this. I'm kind of in a storytelling mood here today. So uh, there was a fella, we, we had a healing line many years ago. And there were many people came into the line and they were all across, lined up across the front. You didn't have to come, but if, if anybody needs healing in their body, come up. And we do this periodically as the Spirit of God would lead. And didn't do it every Sunday, but uh, you know, come up if you need healing. And they were lined up across the front, on back, down the sides. And there was like, like a double line. It was going to take me a while to get to everybody. Anyway, as I'm coming along, laying hands on, on people. And sometimes I, if we had a smaller number of people come, I would ask them what they came for. But usually... Uh, when there's larger numbers, I just go and lay hands on him in the name of the Lord Jesus, release the healing power of God. So I go by this one fellow, lay hands on him in the name of the Lord Jesus, didn't know what he was there for. And, 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 and I felt like heat leave my hand. Now, I normally didn't feel anything when I laid hands on people. But once in a while, you'd feel the power of God. It's, it feels like heat or electricity in my experience, but it's like heat went out of my hand into him and Anyway, I didn't say nothing. I just moved on. As I moved on, I, I, I came back through. He's standing there because usually people, you know, they, you pray for him. They go sit back down. But he stayed, stayed standing there and he was sweating. I mean, sweating. I mean, sweating. He was sweating. I mean, he was, how do I, he was sweating like Charlie Genowine. Now, you may not know who Charlie Genowine is, but my mom had some rental property way back in the, in the seventies. And this guy, he would, uh, whatever his wife would get on him, her name was Hazel. And she'd get on him and he'd get all nervous and he'd come over to the house to talk to my mother, you know, just because he needed somebody to talk to. I was probably 11 years old at the time. And he'd come into that kitchen and he'd sit on that chair. I remember he'd sit on that chair. He had a hat. He'd take the hat off. He had a washcloth. 
mouth. And he'd say, Mrs. Sheila, he said, Hazel's after me again. And he'd start sweating and he'd sweat and sweat and sweat. And he'd wipe that sweat with that washcloth. I'm 11 year old kid. He'd just drench by the time he left. He'd leave. There'd be a puddle of water on the floor. Mother'd get the light bucket and light saw and she'd clean that, you know. <laughs> But but so it was, I see somebody sweating. I say, sweat like Charlie Genoa. So this guy standing in his healing light, he sweat like Charlie Genoa. And, and, and so I'm going along, and he, st- he stood there quite some time. I say he probably stood there a good 15 minutes, maybe longer, and just sweat like Charlie Genoa. And, and finally, I'm pr- you know, praying for these other people. I never said anything. He went and sat down and dismissed the service. And I didn't cross paths with him again for, uh, I don't know, maybe about, oh, it's probably, I don't know, maybe a month or so. And uh, I saw him at church, but, I, you know, he didn't cross paths with him. And so I'm standing there at the door the one day, and, and he comes up to me, and he taps me on the shoulder, and, and I see it was him. He said, could I see you for a minute? I, I said, well, surely. And so we went into the office, and he said, uh, he said, you know, about a month or so ago or whatever it was, he said, he said, did you notice I was in that line? He, he said, I was sweating. And I, I, how could you help? I know, yeah, I noticed it. He said, well, I'd like to tell you about that. I said, come on, I'm listening. And he said, uh, I'm giving you a shortened version, but about a decade prior, he had gotten poisoned. Something had happened where he had gotten poisoned. And it left him in a state, the medical people said that that poison would never ultimately totally leave his system. It had caused him periods of being nauseous. You know, every day he'd have periods of not being nauseous. And when they did his blood work every year, that poison would show up in, in the blood work somehow or another. They could say that, tell him that remnants of that poison is still there. And he said, he said, when you laid hands on me, now I can't heal anybody. It's the power of God. And he said, when you laid hands on me, he said, I felt like heat come out of your hand into my body. That's why I felt like the heat leave. He felt it go into his body. And uh, he said, I started sweating. And, and he said, I just stood there until that, until that heat subsided and the sweating stopped. And I mean, when he got done sweating, there was, I mean, he, he was sweating like Charlie Genoa. And he said, he said, I went and sat down. He said, but the nauseousness, he said, I never had any more nausea after that. And he said, I didn't want to say anything to you until it was confirmed. He said, I had my annual physical coming up. He said, I just had it. uh, You know, he told me he just had it several days prior to when he's telling me this now. And he said, for the first time, and it was over a decade, the blood work came back and all that poison any trace of that poison had completely left his system glory to god god burn the power of god the power of almighty god burn the anointing of god burn that poison out of him can you say amen to that boy i sure can glory to god praise god and i could stand here and tell you you know one story after the next for for quite some time of 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 god healing people you know, uh, in, in our church services over the many, many, many years. So I don't succumb to the leaven of the Sadducees. I believe in the supernatural power of God. And I tell you what, you need to be hooked up with a church that believes in the supernatural power of God. If you're going to a church and they can't give you one time where anybody's ever been healed as a part of that church, I, I have they been infected by the doctrine of the Sadducees? I tell you what, I... I, glory to God. I mean, you, you don't want to be hooked up with something where they don't believe in the supernatural power of Almighty God. So enough said on that. Let me close this up here with the leaven of Herod. 
Now, Jesus did not expound specifically on what the leaven of Herod was, but I can tell you this. He was a political leader of the day, and the Herodians were a political party that supported him. And, uh, and there's much we could say about uh, what, the doc, uh, what the leaven of Herod was. Some say that, you know, it involved exalting civil, civil law above God's moral law. Some say it has to do with you know, being worldly. And there's probably some truths in all of that. But what I, what I want to center in on here is that the Herodians, and they support, they were vehement, underline that word, vehement supporters of Herod and the Herodian family. And they were purely political. And they did anything to promote this Herodian family. So you have the leaven of Herod. Herod was a political leader. And then you had the Herodians. Now Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod, but political leader. But then you also had the Herodians, who was a, which were a political party that vehemently supported Herod. Okay? And what the Herodians wanted was a political savior. I'm talking about Jesus's warning to beware of the leaven of Herod. The Herodians wanted a political savior. And I say this, what I'm about to say now, in the backdrop of what we've experienced here in the United States of America for about the last six years or so. And what's gone on in the presidency and what's gone on with Donald Trump. Okay? And I voted for Donald Trump uh, the first time. And, uh, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm just, I have the right to tell you what I have done. You do whatever you have to do, but, uh, or need to do, but uh, I, I, I'm against, and I've never voted Democratic, and I am against most everything the Democrats stand for, I mean, in their morality. So let me be clear. But I say this, and it may not be, it may not be popular to you what I'm saying, but, uh, you know, a minister of the gospel, it's incumbent upon him to, uh, uh, to deal with these issues. And I'm not afraid to deal with these issues uh, because it's part of the calling of God. If you're going to be a man of God, you got to say things like what I've, what I've been saying for the last, many years or what I continue to say today. But uh, the leaven of Herod, we, we have lived and are living through it in the church here in the United States over the last six years. And it's still going on, even to the present hour. The leaven of Herod. And I've noticed that, so it, we as Christians ought to be involved in politics. I've been saying that all along. Absolutely. Absolutely. We ought to pray. We ought to vote. We ought to be involved. Absolutely. But, but we need to remember we're Christians first and patriots after that. And we should never get those two mixed. Yes, you can be both, but Christians, Christianity should come first. Okay. And, and I've just lived through a time where I've watched a lot of Christians succumb to this leaven of Herod wanting a political savior in, in Donald Trump. 
We just lived through it. Listen to this. I found an article in the Christian Post by Joseph Matera, and he gave seven signs that the leaven of Herod has taken root in your life. And I think they're good, so let me read from my notes, and then I'll close. Seven signs the leaven of Herod has taken root in your life. Number one, you believe a political leader is the key to restoring your nation. Now let me read from his article. Too many Christians have acted as though the destiny of both the nation and the body of Christ depends upon who gets elected as president or other high levels of government. While voting for godly capable leaders is an important matter of biblical stewardship, to equate a political leader with the fate of a nation is bordering on idolatry. And I'll, t- I'll go one step further. I believe a lot of Christians have gotten into idolatry as it pertains to Donald Trump. Do you know, let me tell you this, you become like whatever you set up as an idol in your life. And I watched a lot of Christians who before Donald Trump would have never done this, but they go on Twitter and they act just like him. They demean people. I'm talking Christians, demean people, call people names, lie, find no problem with lying. Christians who before that I knew Donald Trump would have acted like that. You know, over my years of experience, I've watched Christians in the church be for certain political leaders. Absolutely. And I was the same and against what others stood for. Certainly. As I said, I'm against just about everything the Democratic Party stands for. But I've never seen anything in the la- like I have in the last six years with Donald Trump. Never seen anything like it. And, and I, I think there's no doubt it's spiritual at its root. And so many Christians have looked for a political savior and set him up as that and idolized him and made an idol out of him. And you become like whoever or whatever your idol is. Think about that. And he says in this article, this violates the teachings of Scripture. And let me start back over here again. While voting for godly capable leaders is an important matter of biblical stewardship, to equate a political leader with the fate of a nation is is borderline idolatry. This violates the teaching of Scripture, which portrays Jesus as the only one who has the government on his shoulders. Jesus. If you act as though anyone other than Jesus is the savior of your nation, then the leaven of Herod has taken root of you. And then that's the first thing. You believe a political leader is the key to restoring your nation. Number two, you believe these are seven signs the leaven of Herod has taken root in your life. One, again, you believe a political leader is the key to restoring your nation. Number two, you believe your political party represents the kingdom of God. Well, I don't think the kingdom of God is Democrat or Republican, either one of them. (sighs) Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world in John 18, 36. Number three, a way that you can tell if the leaven of Herod has taken root in your life. You're more committed to political change than practicing and promoting the spiritual disciplines of, of Christianity. Many Christians seem to be more passionate about changing laws and promoting public policy than pouring over the word of God and seeking the face of God. God has called us to bring systematic societal change commiserate to the extent we seek first his kingdom. When your passion for political change eclipses your pure devotion to Christ, then the leaven of Herod has infected you. 
Number four, your primary focus is on external change more than the proclamation of the gospel. Number five, you give more financially to, to political causes than to the church and the advancement of the gospel. Number six, you use the Bible more as a political handbook to promote specific policies than as a tool for self-transformation. And number seven, you get more excited about attending political rallies than, attend, than assembling with your local church. I saw, I saw that one right up in my face, close and personal. Um, I know right, right as we were, right before we transitioned to virtual church services. I mean, Summit Church was about coming to worship the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Okay, and and it was that way for a long time, but but over the last you know, just several years from the time Donald Trump came to power. And as we got up on the, onto that, uh, uh, next election a 2020 election. Now, not everybody, but a lot of people, you know, they want, they actually wanted, they wanted to Trump rally. They wanted me to, I mean, they wouldn't come right out and say that, but that's, if I would have said I was having a Trump rally, I mean, you'd have, you'd have had them lined up for wall to wall, people jumping up and down and going on. But uh, when it was time to praise Jesus, and I'm not talking about everybody, but just, okay. But if I just said, let's let's get excited about Donald Trump, oh, I mean, those same people that were standing there, I mean, they'd go berserk. Hey, hey. You know, be for a political leader, somebody that's that's in line with the word of God as close as possible. But that's fine. But always keep Jesus first. And 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 I warned people about that. The Holy Ghost had me warning people about that for years, several years before we ever got to 2020. And say, you know, hey, be for Donald Trump, but don't make a God out of him. And, uh, and boy, I tell you what, I had a lot of people walk, a lot of people walk away from me vehemently. I know one lady uh, I, she, she, I was, she came to me or well, actually called me on the phone because I had said in, in a service, I had said, you know, Hey, I voted for Donald Trump, but I don't agree with such and such what he's doing there. I mean, it was something that needed, I felt to be said for the, well, had to do with, with the, 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 the demeaning people and treat tweets and lying and going on. And, and, and I, I said, I don't go for that. The Bible's against it. She called me on the phone and she said, how dare you say a word against uh, uh, God's chosen, holy anointed, you know, servant. And, and I said, look, he's the president, you know, and, and God may or may be using him, maybe not. I don't know. But, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, I, I, I said, he's the president. He's, he's not God. And oh boy, she, I mean, her and her husband, they got mad as wet hearted at me. I lost a lot of people walked away from me over it. But you know, if I had to go back and do it over, I'd do the exact same thing. I'd probably double down on it and be even more stern on it. All you have to do is look at what happened on January the 6th. And that ought to tell you all you need to know right there. Think about it. And, uh, uh, but, but I tell you what, I'd ask people to pray for souls and I'm talking at the church and almost nothing. I say, let's pray for Donald Trump and those same people that wouldn't pray for souls. They would become vehement in their praying, vehement in their praying for Donald Trump, you know? And, you know, like I said, if you want to be for him, that's your business, but don't make a God out of him. And so, uh, Hey, no question, no question that the leaven of Herod 
was and is alive and well right now in this nation. And I watched it start out like yeast, very small in the church to start, and it spread, and it spread, and it spread, and it got out of control, and the Holy Ghost had me. I know my church warning them, but the most of them, now some of them, some of the church members didn't get in on this stuff that I'm talking about on the leaven of Herod, but most of them did. And uh, it, it's, it's very sad. It's very dangerous for this nation. Let's be involved in politics. Yes, it's all important that we are involved as Christians and make our voice be heard and known. But let us not have the leaven of Herod and, and cry out for a political savior. Because remember, the government is not upon the president's shoulders. I know he has a responsibility in, in that, and I get that. But we don't need a political savior. We, the government is upon Jesus' shoulders. And let's always look to him. Let's honor the president, whoever that president is. I always found it interesting that whenever there was a Democratic president in, the people in my church didn't want to pray much for the Democratic president. But when a Republican was in, they didn't want to pray. I mean, not everybody, but I watched that over, over some three decades. But, you know, let, let's be for you know, involved in politics. Yes. But let's let's not ever put any political figure even close to Jesus, much yet above Jesus. Hey, let's let like I said, don't make a political an idol out of a political figure and start acting like them. Let's Jesus is our Lord, our God. And hey, if he's really our Lord and our God, then we'll act like him. Right. We'll be Christ like. Can you say amen to that? And so beware of the leaven of the Pharisees of the Sadducees and of Herod, okay? And, uh, you know, I wanna, I'll want to i say this right before I sign off here. Uh, this is so important. You know, if you study leaven, this is so good. Leaven works best in one kind of environment. You know what kind of environment that is? Lukewarm. Lukewarm. Leaven works best in a lukewarm environment. So, look. Don't be lukewarm in your own life, and therefore leaven won't be able to spread in you. And don't be part of a lukewarm, lackadaisical church where a pastor is afraid to take on some of these issues. Hey, men of God ought to be, you know, you know, preach, you know, be flames of fire. Preach the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Say, preach, th- preach things when they're in season and when they're when they're not, when they're pleasing to people and when they're not. So don't be part of a lukewarm church, okay? Don't don't and don't let lukewarmness in your life, where this leaven can spread, okay? And what's the central truth of the parable of the leaven? Be watchful and cautious about a little leaven. A little sin, a little false doctrine. The central truth of the parable of eleven: Be watchful about a little sin or a little false doctrine getting mixed in with the good. Well, there you have it. I hope this blessed you today. I trust that it did. Next week we'll pick up with another parable. Why? Well, I, I said a mouthful there today, uh, but uh, I hope you still love me. But I preach. The truth as best I can and let the chips fall where they may. Hey, like I said, next week we'll pick up with another parable. If you're out there and you don't know Jesus, hey, there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. The only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. You'll miss hell one day. You'll make heaven and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.